0: wildcat radio welcome back wildcats to wildcat radio we are your source for arizona football basketball and recruiting news you can subscribe to the podcast for free through itunes google play stitcher etc you know the drill basically any podcast catcher be sure to follow the podcast on social media. At Wildcat Radio AZ is our Twitter handle. Be sure to also check out our Facebook page, Wildcat Radio. While you're out there surfing in the web, check out our website, wildcatradioaz.com. It uh, is the exclusive home of all of our written content as well as these podcasts. Uh, and then it's also the exclusive home of the Survivor Pool, which definitely lost two members this week myself included, and Mr. Adam Green who joins me on the call today. Adam, I went with Cal. I know you did too. It just felt like, uh, I don't know what it felt like actually. I, I guess for for me it was like Washington, Oregon, Cal, and then I don't remember I had one oh, other option, yeah. but I didn't know about the Washington, Oregon game and it just, just this one felt right. So I don't know. No, it, it didn't feel right for me when I made the
1: pick, but you know, my whole strategy is this season has been pick against Oregon State and they had a bye week. So yep. <laughs> that, that strategy was out the window. And then, I mean, I didn't like picking Cal. I watched them lose to U of A the week before. But I'm like, as competent as I think UCLA is starting to play, I can't pick a winless team to win on the road. That's yeah. what it came down to. Like, I didn't like the pick. I didn't like Cal. I mean, I was picking between two bad teams. But, <laughs> you know, in picking between two bad teams, I take the home team. And, and because of that, our show, we way to represent us, right? You know, the both, yeah. <laughs> everyone else is still alive. We are not.
0: Yep. So, uh, the show must go on until somebody wins. It will not be myself or Adam for that matter, I guess. So, uh, moving along Adam though, you, you, you're actually tearing it up though against the spread. So you're definitely, you're starting oh, yeah. to, uh, well above 500. I'm, I'm still in the red on this one. So I'm working hopefully to claw myself back to mountain <laughs> 500. Like, I uh, like the wildcats this upcoming weekend, we'll get to them shortly, but, uh, you know, Adam, so we, uh, we, we had a little taste of basketball, red, blue scrimmage yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, it was exciting stuff. Of course, at halftime they retired DeAndre Ayton, Jared Bayless's jerseys to the Ring of Honor, which was pretty neat. Um, you know, and actually, too, it was kind of cool for them to circle back to Jared Bayless. I know that there was some, so I guess you know, there was some chirping on Twitter saying like, "Oh gosh, like we're just letting anybody in the Ring of Honor now." But you know, I, I'm, I'm actually really glad that. Well, for one, that he got in, I went to high school with Jared, so I, he, he's an awesome guy. I'm Really happy to see that, but more importantly. He was awesome for U of A that year. Yeah. I I, I mean, I know we've touched on this before. That was the transition away from Lute into Sean Miller. He never got to play for either of them, but uh, he he was a pretty special player when he was down in Tucson.
1: Yeah, I have appreciation for Jared Bayless, and, you know, they they have requirements for their ring of honor, and he's been in the NBA for 10 years now, so, you know, he has other things, too, that he did in Tucson, but he's just has some misfortune. He was a one-and-done guy, which, Arizona said, plenty of one-and-done players who have left with much higher acclaim because he just happened to play for the wrong era for the wrong team you know the Kevin O'Neal team he didn't even have the Russ penalty he had the Kevin O'Neal squad yeah so he's a guy whose team isn't remember that fondly they got bounced early in the tournament too he was phenomenal for Arizona in his one season and has had maybe an underwhelming NBA career but he's had a nice career you know Mm -hmm. a 10-year career in the NBA been a good scorer off the bench for a lot of teams so you know, I don't think people are gonna look at him ever the same way they look at certain guys like I mean you look at some of the other one and done guys, Aaron Gordon, Stanley Johnson, DeAndre Aiton. You know, they don't look at him like that because he didn't have as much success with his team. But on a personal level, and I know it's a team sport, but on a personal level he was every bit as good as some of those guys were in his freshman season, just had the wrong team around him with the wrong coach and just He's kind of that era of basketball that most of us and I think most Arizona fans kind of pushed out of their memory outside of that sweet 16 run with Russ Pennell, you know, Jordan Hill and Chase Buddington yeah. in that group. Outside of that, just that whole few seasons, just kind of like a lost time in Arizona basketball. And Jared Bayless had the misfortune of being a part of it.
0: I think you pointed it out very well, right? The requirements, I mean, ten-year career, very serviceable. I mean, no, never, never an all-pro guy, but very serviceable, long career. Uh, you know, he's bounced around a little bit, but uh, I'll never knock somebody for being in the league for ten years. I don't care if you play for ten teams over those ten years; that's still quite the feat. So, yeah, I uh, yeah. challenge anyone to go back and look
1: at his U of A stats and what he did for the Wildcats that year, and tell me he wasn't every bit as good as a Stanley Johnson was. You know, or someone like that. I mean, second-team all pack 10. He was a McDonald's All-American before coming to U of A. You know, he's just – this guy was good. He was a really good player for
0: Arizona. Just he was there at the wrong time. That's all. It was certainly a timing issue. And, you know, while you were finishing that up there, Adam, I did go ahead and just pull up his stats here. So this is according to sportsreference.com. All right, so 2007-08 season, of course. 30 games, 30 starts, 35.7 minutes a game. So 40 points in a college game or 40 minutes in a college game, he played 35, Mm -hmm. averaged 35.7 a game. Now, so this is where, you know, he was obviously a scorer, right? So we'll get to this point in a minute here. he's, He's that combo guard. He's been that combo guard his whole life. You know, coming out of high school, he was pegged as, you know, point guard, but you know he's naturally a shooting guard, he's just an undersized shooting guard. Very similar, I think to to uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now I can't believe I'm doing that. Uh... Nick Johnson. Good Lord. Excuse me. Long day. Long day. I deserve a slap in the face for that for blanket on his name. But similar to Nick Johnson in the sense that, you know, they're both these combo guards, very athletic. Right. But, you know, not super comfortable handling the ball. I mean, you know, it worked in college for both of them. But, you know, when you see at the next level, it's not uh, it's it's not that top tier point guard skill that you would expect to see. Uh, But getting more into the stats here, right? I mean, so 30 games, he averaged 19.7 points a game i I've, you know, and, and I, I know I've heard this before, but I was blown away when they said that he's the only player in U of a history to score 30 points, 30 plus points in three straight games. Yeah. I mean, that, there's no slouch here. I mean, he was good at getting the basket. He averaged uh, over seven free throw attempts a game. He shot 84% from the line, you know, yes, he, he averaged four assists a game, but you know, for college that that's pretty solid, right? I mean, you know, I would say like off the top of my head, I would say like TJ McConnell probably averaged like six or seven assists a game, you know, like it's not. Like close to that double double, but mark, he wasn't really. scoring twenty points a night either. Exactly, and that's that's kind of where I'm going here. I mean, he was really involved. Like he was, you know, Chase Budinger, Jordan Hill, they were on that team as well. But you know, he, he he was definitely the bread and butter of that team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he was definitely more of a point guard than Nick Johnson was, but certainly not the skill set to do it at the next level and that's a thing, but you look at Jerry and that's what I'm saying, like, you look at his stats, and I think it'll surprise people. The guy shot 40% from three-point range, 46% from the field. Like He was excellent for the Wildcats in his one season, and you know, he was always going to be a one-and-done guy, if I remember right, and yep. it, his he deserves to have his number up in the ring of honor for them. He was every bit as good, and he's satisfied the requirements that they set out for that, for that award, for that honor, but I think people just kind of I don't think he's necessarily underappreciated. I just think people forgot about him, if that's yeah. the way to put it. Because I don't think everyone says, oh, Jared Bayless wasn't that good. It's like, oh, yeah, Jared Bayless, I remember him. And then you kind of draw a blank as to what happened during his time at U of A because his time wasn't memorable, but not because of him. He was every bit as good as some of the best freshmen that have come through us. I and mean, again, this is a freshman averaging 20 points a game. You know Impressive. I mean, even yeah. the best U of A freshmen that have come in, I mean, DeAndre Aden did it. But who else? No. And again, that's probably a product of the team. Stanley Johnson may have been able to average more had he been on a different team with fewer options around him. But this is a guy who came in in one season, was Arizona's best player, got them to the tournament. They didn't go anywhere in the tournament, but it was just a bad era for Arizona basketball or a bad time for them. And he was still a bright spot who has since gone and have a nice NBA career repping the University of Arizona well. And I don't think, you know, I don't think I should be mad that he's in the ring of honor. You could say, oh, they're letting in everybody and they're not. But also Arizona has a lot of really good players that have come through the program And you know what? You're going to see a lot more guys start to get these honors, too, as time passes, because there have been a lot of Wildcats who had excellent careers over those one year, two years. I mean, Nick Johnson's going to end up there, I would think, too. He has an NBA career, but there's just so many guys who contribute to Arizona basketball. And Jared Bayless might be the first name you think of, but I think he has every right to be in that ring of honor.
0: Yeah, I 100 I percent agree with you. And, you know, it's I, I think the other thing, too, it's not, not only the, not only the longevity of his NBA career and then what he accomplished at at the University of Arizona. But, I mean, he, he, w- he was a top 11 pick, right? He he was a lottery pick, too. And if you think, well, you know, 11, like, is that really something, you know, like how special is that? Well, you know, I guess relative to uh, being a lottery pick in general, you got you got to consider that Derrick Rose was in this draft. O.J. Mayo, Russell Westbrook. Eric Gordon, DJ Augustine. I mean, those guys, those, those are five guards that were picked ahead of him. And I mean, that's, that's that's no wonder, you know, and you got also then sprinkling your bigs too mm-hmm. to kind of fill that out. So, I mean, that's, it's a very respectable draw. Brandon Rush. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of, um, oh, man, I'm off tonight, Adam. I'm, I'm drawing a right wildcat. On this has not been the
1: best time for a lot of wildcats. So. <laughs> yes. Right. It we'll won't get taken after but... the football team.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's, 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 it's overall, I mean, very exciting. Congratulations to him. You know, it, it is, it is sad to to an extent, just because he was a part of those of those forgotten years, right? And we've touched on it, and it's easy to understand it, but uh, he's very worthy of this of this award or honor, right? As you said, uh, that's 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 uh, happy for him. DeAndre Ayton, uh, we don't need to get into that because. <laughs> If, if he's not eligible right off the bat, then I don't even know what the criteria is. So congratulations to DeAndre Ayton as well. But, uh, you know, Adam, that took place at halftime of a game. And like I said, we got a little taste of the basketball there. Uh, two halves, right? A full game of action here. What all did you see in this game? You know, I don't think you look at these games for, to try to really glean
1: much from the team, right? I mean, they're playing each other. It's, but really, it's the first chance we get to see these guys. I've never seen Ryan Luther. In an Arizona uniform, I've never seen Brandon Williams play for them. Chase Jeter, we've never seen. You know, those are the guys I was most interested to watch, the guys I've never seen before. Guys like Brandon Randolph, you're hoping to see take a step forward, but I don't think we're going to notice anything from the red-blue game, you know, from that Mm -hmm. scrimmage. Certain guys that are returning, but, you know, I saw something Ryan Luther impressed me just with his range. I didn't know he had range out to three-point land, and he made two three-pointers, including one really long one. At the end of the game, that iced the game for the red team. But I think that was impressive from him, just because he showed a skill set that I didn't know he had. Um, outside of that, I mean, Brandon Williams looked every bit the type of player that we thought he was going to be. He's fast, he can get his shot, he's not afraid to shoot. And the rest of the team, I mean, Chase Jeter, I think looked bouncy. He looked quick out there, not particularly big or strong looking, but he looks like he has a role he can play for this team. So, you know, I don't, I didn't watch the game wondering, trying to break it down and say, oh, this is what they're going to be this year, this or that, but. You know, for some of the guys that I was anxious to see what they looked like in an Arizona uniform or just to see them play basketball for the first time, for me, you know, I, I was okay with what I saw.
0: Yeah, you know, and I know we touched on this before we started recording, Adam. And you know, I I don't want to put too much into it because it did feel like there was a little wave, you know, a little frenzy wave happening on on social media, on social media, excuse me, as the game was underway. Uh, a lot of people just saying, "Oh, this what a throwaway season this is going to be." You know, I, I I'm actually in the corner. Know how you could know of, that right now. You can't know that. I'm I'm 100 in the corner of you know last year. There was just so much praise being thrown on left and right, left and right. it was it was, you know, in hindsight, obviously, it was the silliest thing. But even at the time, it was just kind of like, oh, man, you know, you're, you're, you're buying into it. It's like, oh, this is going to be the best team, definitely the best team. And then, you know, of course, I mean, we all know what happened there. But I, I think that the point there is that you can't put too much stock in an intra-squad scrimmage. I mean, th- these guys know each other so well Like, yes, it was low scoring. Sure, 39-33, so be it. Um, you know, I, whatever. But, you know, I think overall, the things that stood out to me, Adam chase jeter right i mean that 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 was a big focal point as you mentioned finishing with nine points 14 rebounds uh my one question as i was watching him was you know how much of these 14 rebounds are product of of his actual ability you know to box out get boards Mm -hmm. versus we just don't really have much size out there
1: yeah and i think that's that's definitely a valid concern and that's what it comes down to. Like I, I will say, I mean, I didn't watch this scrimmage and say, oh, it's going to be a throwaway season. This team is going to be terrible or anything like that. But what I do wonder, and I think this may be the first time we've had this question even this deep into the season. I say this deep. I know they're one red-blue game in. Mm-hmm. But what is going to be this team's strength? And last season we knew it was DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier. You know, they could score the basketball. That wasn't going to be an issue. And especially when you've got like, DeAndre Ayton, you know, you're going to have an advantage every single night. And this team, I don't know what it is yet. And you're not going to know what it is right now, but they're going to have to find something. You know, maybe it's going to be the outside shooting, which they didn't do a great job from the outside in this game, but they have a lot of players who are willing to shoot threes. You know, so maybe they'll get those down and get the butterflies out of their system and become a good three-point shooting team, or maybe they'll be active defensively, getting a lot of steals and easy buckets in transition. I don't know what it's going to be, but they do need to find a strength. The good news is there's time to do that, and maybe they won't. But, you know, I think a week ago, a lot of people were thinking, oh, this team's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we don't know that the stars aren't there, but there's a lot of talent on this roster. Let's see it come together. And I don't think you can say that. And then if the red-blue scrimmage say, oh, they stink. You know, yeah, the talent needs to come together. Give it a chance to come together. And if we're through the non-conference portion of schedule, the exhibition slate, and they look just average to bad, then yeah, be concerned. But this was a red-blue scrimmage. They weren't doing they weren't playing a game really it was yeah. just running around like a practice so you know if you're judging anything off this game positive or negative i think you're just being foolish because i don't i mean it's, it's the red blue scrimmage guys let's let's just back off just a little bit you can be concerned about the team if you want but not because of anything that happened in sunday's scrimmage
0: yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not willing to panic at all over this. I mean, honestly, I, I I just enjoyed it. You know, it was really good to see everybody on the court. Uh, obviously, a, a much different look than last year. You know, the three point shooting you touched on there a little bit. Uh, seven, uh, excuse me, five of 23 from downtown. Uh, about 22 percent. That's not going to cut it but you know again don't want to be overly critical here there were some flashes namely Ryan Luther as you mentioned he uh, really you know- was active I thought Ira really Lee was active. You know, I thought that Ira Lee overall, 12 points, right? That's what you want to see, 6 of 10 from the field. You know, he was going against the team that had chased Jeter, right? So Ryan Luther uh, was was playing center there. But, uh, you know, Ira really, Lee, we saw flashes last year. You know, if, if he would just start treating the game as basketball rather than tackle football, he'll be in there <laughs> a lot longer. I mean, last, last year he would he was a walking foul. I mean, that was honestly his biggest issue. But I think they even touched on it in, in the game where they said, you know, like his uh, extrapolated 40-minute stat line whatever it was like uh 10 points 9 rebounds right i mean like he wasn't you know in just a small small sample set but uh you know basically you know a double double like I, yeah give me a guy off the bench and give me a double double that's fantastic um you know beyond that adam you know you, you asked the question what what is this team's strength it's 100% the guard play you know i mean we have Justin Coleman we have Brandon Williams uh you would expect alex barcelo to kind of step up a little bit more you know you've heard a lot in the off season just about how hard the kid works you know his shot he's a great shot um and even dylan smith dylan smith actually led led the team uh, led led the game that is with four assists so you know it, it's definitely guard play and then even extend a little bit to you know like the those threes too so really just perimeters uh perimeter players and then your guards i mean it, it's just uh, your yeah, point guards it's
1: probably gonna have to be the guards and i'm you know, just because it's that's Arizona strength doesn't mean it's actually going to be a real advantage for them on any given night. Yeah. But if there is going to be a group, I mean, there are players on this team that could step up. And again, just because Brandon Randolph shot four for 10 doesn't mean the guy didn't take a step forward this season. Right. You know, like it doesn't mean he's not going to be a 13, 14 point per game score for this team. Just because Barcelo made just one shot doesn't mean he's not going to contribute five, six points off the bench. Like we don't know. I mean, Brandon Williams looks ready. Mm -hmm. You know, he could be their leading scorer this season. So, you know, I agree with you that it's probably if this team's going to have the advantage, it's going to be their guard play. And, of course, they're going to have to prove it. You know, Justin Coleman's going to have to get comfortable with his teammates. But there's time for all that. And I'm not saying that they're going to be great, but I'm going to say the same thing we've been saying, any of the last few weeks when we've talked basketball. It's going to be an interesting team to watch. I think they're more talented than people give them credit for but it has to come together. We have to see what these guys can do in roles that they've never had before. And, again, like I liked watching the red-blue scrimmage because it was basketball. And to be fair, like they have that the trim on the jerseys now. The red jerseys and the blue jerseys have that yeah. little trim around the edges. It makes them look less terrible. So <laughs> I think that's a positive to come out of this. So, you know, <laughs> There you go. If, if you want to be worried about U of A basketball, be worried about U of A basketball. That's fine. But I don't think anything that happened on Sunday should be what causes you to be worried.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100 percent there. You know, I guess overall, the bottom line is is there is a lot of talent on this roster. Uh, And, you know, a, a lot of our talent, though, you know, Ryan Luther, a guy who struggled to stay healthy. Uh, with, with the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, last year, that's why I was granted another year, right? Only played in 10 games, but that was a strong 10 games that he played. You know, if he could build off that, and we saw flashes in this game, you know, he, and then if we could see something out like of Derek Jeter, obviously not the Derek Jeter that we saw at Duke for those first two years, but, you know, something more along the way, a little bit more developed. Now, he's obviously, you know, he still looks pretty slight, right? So I, 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 that's why I kind of questioned the whole 14-rebound thing, like, you know, how, how legitimate will if that someone be? Someone had to and, get the rebounds, right? Yeah, Right. And I think just by by naturally being a seven footer, right, you're at an advantage there. Uh, but, you know, yes, it, I, it, it's all these questions that that I think still exist. But again, there's no real reason to be hypercritical about this. You know, we no, saw the, the guys scrimmage. in action. the scrimmage. There's plenty of talent on the team. And yes, it resides, you know, in the backcourt. And then we have some other key perimeter players. You mentioned Brandon Randolph. I mean, Brandon Randolph, I expect, you know, there was tons of talk about him last year. Once again, displayed how athletic he is, right? That didn't go anywhere. There was no regression there. Won the slam dunk contest again. Uh, we saw flashes of him last year, being able to find a lot of success with the three ball and even the mid range game. I mean, he's a sharp shooter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, he's going to have the opportunity to really hone that skill this year. You know, just, uh, uh, they're, they're, I'm, I'm very curious to see now. Uh, once we move closer, you know, we get into those exhibitions, and then the regular season starts. What kind of rotations going to exist? Because you know, right off the bat, Adam, and I guess we can go ahead and you know, this scrimmage kind of warrants it. Trying to piece the piece the puzzle together for the starters. You you got to figure. I mean, Brandon Williams and, and, and Justin Coleman, right? I mean, you, you got to figure it's going to be a, a starting. You know, a one-two, but really, it's like they're both. They're both point guards, right? I mean, is there, is there am I crazy? I mean, is there any way that these two are not starting? I don't think so, and that's gonna be
1: an interesting backcourt. I think probably four of the five spots are set. I think it's you know, Coleman at your point guard, Williams at an off guard spot, but can also bring the ball up. I think you have yep. Ryan Luther and Chase Jeter as your front court. The question is, who's your three? Is it Brandon Randolph? Is it Acot? Is it mm-hmm. Dylan Smith? You know, I would almost lean it's probably Randolph at the three, but I think it, that's that's to me the one position right now, and obviously I'm not in the practices, I'm not a coach, I don't know what they're thinking, but no, I don't see any re- way that Coleman doesn't start, I don't see any way that Brandon Williams doesn't start, and you know, Chase Jeter's definitely starting, and I would imagine yeah. Ryan Luther is too, so they got one spot up for grabs, and about three guys, I would say, who can make a legitimate claim for it to pan the lineup, but no, that that's, and I say that, that those spots are secure, but even then none of them really are like these aren't guys who have earned these roles necessarily that they did it last year. And we've seen them be a starting point guard at Arizona or be a starting center or a starting power at And we haven't seen that from any of these guys. So it's going to be a very fluid rotation early on. I would think in that Sean Miller has to find the right guys. He has to find the mix, the guys you can count on night in and night out, because I mean, even us looking at this roster, we don't even know who that is. We can't say yeah. that guy is going to be someone who they can rely on every, you know, every night, night in, night out. And, as disappointing as last year's team was, you knew you had Aiton. You knew you had Trier, right? Like You knew you had Doosan, really. like mm-hmm. You had guys you could count on. This roster right now will have guys you could count on, but it doesn't have them just yet. And That, to me, I think is going to be some of the frustration watching them, but also some of the fun because let's see what develops with this team. Someone's going to have to score. Someone's going to have to rebound. Someone's going to have to do all these things, but we don't know who's going to do it all and how they're going to go about doing it. So... No, this doesn't look like the best team Arizona's had. There's not one obvious dominant aspect. There's no DeAndre Ayton. There's no Alonzo True, There's no Aaron Gordon, TJ McConnell. Those guys aren't on this team. But there's talent, guys. Like anyone who's, if you watched that game and thought there's no talent on this roster, I don't, I guess I didn't see all the, the hypercritical people that you did, but, you know, this team does have question marks. Absolutely it does. But I think there's enough talent in there to find some
0: answers as well. Yeah. So, so final score, red and blue scrimmage, uh, the red team takes home the victory 39, 33. Once again, the high score there, I really 12.6 to 10 from the field. Uh, the leading rebounder, <laughs> Chase Jeter, 14 <laughs> rebounds and Dylan Smith, you know, and I, Dylan Smith, you know, he four, four assists, right? So that's, that shows me a little something too. Uh, it definitely feels like there's going to be a very healthy rotation with the backcourt and perimeter players. So uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that, Adam. That's really all I want to spend on this. You know, I think we've touched on, on all the main points here. Uh, And so now I think, unfortunately it's time to get back to the gridiron. So Friday night did not go as, as I was hoping for final score in Salt Lake city, 42, 10 Uh, Utah easily takes care of Arizona uh let's just jump into it and you know this is going to th- there's going to be a storyline that we're going to touch on right now that's going to spill into UCLA and according to Vegas I think it already has spilled into <laughs> UCLA uh Quill Tate Quill Tate uh, aggravates that ankle injury on the I, th- I believe it was the second drive maybe even you know maybe like the second play of the second drive something like that but once again very similar to Houston early on in the game and you know after after Utah was able to put together a 15 play 75 yard drive about seven minutes or so to open the game. Uh, the defense had many chances, at least three to get off the field for third and long was unable to do so. And then Arizona's offense was unable to get anything going. Uh, Adam, what were your thoughts? Let's just start with defense. Yeah, I, you know, it looks like on the surface, it looks a little like the Houston
1: game, but that first drive, Utah converted four third downs on their opening drive. Like, they didn't just chew up Arizona and spit him out. Like, they worked their way down the field, and even that first third down they converted, Arizona had them stopped. and. It was no. almost a, it was such a depressing drive to watch because we knew Arizona was the underdog in this game for a reason. Both of you and I were optimistic that the Cats would compete in this one. You know, you thought they were gonna win. I wasn't willing to go that far, but I definitely thought I think I remember saying there's no way that you thought they just don't have it in them to blow Arizona out. And only mm-hmm. that driver's like, Yeah, look at Arizona's defense. It's played well in pac twelve play. They're doing a good job and they're finding ways to, like they got Utah right where they want them. And it turns out it was back to Utah having Arizona right where they want them, third and long. That's where you want Arizona's defense, I guess. But, you know, they come down there and score, and it was just a depressing, demoralizing drive to watch. It was only 7 nothing, But it's like, man, Arizona's defense was there. They were in position to make plays pretty much the entire time and couldn't do it. And, you know, it's one of those where you say, well, if that's how it's going to be all night, sooner or later they'll start making that tackle. And, of course, we know they never did. But then I think, I know it's going to switch to offense real quick for you, but the very next drive, Khalil Tate opens up with a run on his own. You think, okay, that's good. His ankle must be feeling better, and J.J. Taylor runs. They get a first down. And I think these back-to-back drives kind of epitomize exactly what happened in this game early on before things went sideways, was then Tate had that deep ball to Poindexter, who looked like he almost came up with it. Mm -hmm. I forget exactly where that would have put the ball. I know it would have been fairly deep into Utah territory, and it was incomplete. And then of course yeah. Arizona an incomplete pass, they get a penalty or whatever, and they end up punting away. Then before you know it, it's fourteen nothing, Tate sprains his ankle and he's out of the game and things just fall apart. And those two drives back to back, Utah made every little play. You know, it was close. It wasn't easy for them going down the field, but they made the plays when they had to. And when Arizona's trying to answer, like Utah does, does just enough to get the job done. And Arizona fell just short, like on that Poindexter catch. And I'm not trying to put this on Sean Poindexter. It wasn't an easy catch. But those are the plays that you make and all of a sudden, this game might have a different feel to it. But instead, Utah is up fourteen nothing before Khalil Tate. You know, by the time Khalil Tate hurts his ankle, and by then the game is pretty much over already.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it it, it just really spiraled out of control quickly. I mean, you know, it it was so obvious too. Uh, you know, after falling down fourteen nothing utah put together these two drives nearly 11 minutes of of the first quarter yeah you know in 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 between those two drives arizona as you said yes we picked up a first down but five plays seven yards i mean they only had the ball for a minute 37 so you knew you knew they were gonna have to sustain some sort of drive you know like i don't even know if necessarily i care to i mean obviously i want to i want to score but the whole time i was thinking like no 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 like yes first down but like come on, like we we need another first down here. We have to give our defense a break after that 15 play 75 yard drive to open the game over seven minutes. You know, we, we've seen this all too, all all too often, right? Mm -hmm. The, the offense just can't produce the offense gets into these ruts and then it's just such a strain on the defense. So you're 100 percent right. And you know, it, I don't even know how much more we really have to go into this, you know, defensively, you know, there were a couple blown coverages I felt with Jerry's Wallace. I know it's hard to get on. I know it's hard to get on him about this game uh, because, you know, he, he is a safety and, you know, he's not always really relied on to be in the coverage game, but, you know, as a part of the secondary, I mean, I expect you to be able to, to make some of these plays that we saw uh, in, in, in coverage defense in cover defense like that. And it was just, uh, it was tough to watch. No, so it's a
1: bad effort from the defense. And I mean, even if they get a stop, make a tackle on that first drive, and you're not down seven, nothing, you're not on the field for as long as they were, right. They couldn't get off the field early. And then by the time maybe they might've settled in, you know, the offense had nothing in them. So, I mean, this was a total team effort, I think, outside of maybe special teams. You know, I know Pollock missed a couple more field or missed a field goal, but, like, this was a team effort. Of just They were bad, Arizona. They went up there and, you know, got off to a bad start, and it only got worse for the most part. And, you know, it was kind of like the Houston game in that they were never really in it. You yeah. know, by the time Arizona even did anything offensively, it was way too far gone. So it's just kind of like playing out the string, hoping nothing else terrible happens. And of course, they have a fake punter. Like really, but I guess the punter yeah. has he has free reign to do that if he sees something. So if you're a kid out there, you get a chance to do that. I don't even know what punter wouldn't. But you know, it was just it was just a bad game, and it was made worse because of the fact that Tate hurt his ankle apparently worse as he has since the Houston game. So you know, there wasn't a lot of good to come out of this one. The defense was bad. They had been good in Pac-12 play. They were bad. The offense has been bad for a couple of weeks now especially and they were even worse than they had been with different circumstances surrounding it so there are a couple of bright spots but nothing that you'd point to and say at least that happened
0: yeah it wasn't pretty and and honestly i i I was willing to chalk it up as a loss as soon as we saw clill tate get up after that sack by chase hansen on second and ten you know Mm -hmm. uh he couldn't even stand you know like we you know we've seen a lot of him kind of struggling limping around the field uh, since that Houston game, but this one was clearly much worse than anything we'd seen in the past. Uh, and, and clearly, right. He didn't come back in the game. You know, no. there was a moment in the second half where he tried to sneak in the huddle and they saw him and they pulled him back to the sideline. But, uh, you know, it just, yeah, it, it just quickly spun out of control. You know, I, again, don't know how much more we really should spend on this Forty two ten, Utah, Salt Lake city, uh, in Salt Lake city, not pretty, Not pretty, uh, Adam, I was thinking about after, after we were done recording last week that we, we forgot to touch on the, the, the Josh Pollock switch from Lucas Haversick. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, last week, I, I think we were just so pumped about the win and about how good the defense played. But uh, we need to circle back to that because I apologize, everyone, you know, uh, two weeks ago, you know, we, we were calling for a change. We got one and we completely forgot to touch on it. You know, uh, yeah, Josh Pollock missed missed a field goal last week, uh, two weeks ago now in that Cal game. But that was somewhat covered up by the exciting finish and in, mm-hmm. in the overall defensive performance. But yeah, again, this one here, I believe it was when we were down 21, nothing. We had a chance to make it 21
1: points at the end of the first half
0: yeah or excuse me would have made it a 28-3 so i mean yeah it was i mean but again we all knew from the point of clill tate not even be able to stand that that basically our night was done but uh but it's still i mean it's it's demoralizing i mean those type of you have to be able to make field goals and apparently we just don't have a guy that can consistently make a field goal yeah and that's that's a problem i mean again it hasn't cost them a game yet
1: and if arizona is down 28 to 3 as opposed to 28 to nothing at the end of this first half i don't think it makes a big difference but and a lot of people at the time were criticizing Kevin someone, for not trying to go for the end zone. There was still 10 seconds left on the clock when they attempted that field goal. And to me, I'm just like, you know, I don't, you know, they're at the 24-yard line or the 16-yard line, I guess, where they were when they kicked that field goal. It's like, yeah, you can make a shot at the end zone. But even someone's thought was they had no timeouts. Their offensive line was banged up rat rides like the most mobile quarterback you got utah's defensive line try to get points if you can just to get on the board and you know it's almost like a depressing thing a demoralizing thing to have to do and then you go out there and miss the field going it's like oh well that's that (laughs) you know it's and no you can't have that and there's a reason why nfl kickers play till they're 45 years old because college kickers are hard to find good college kickers are hard to find and you know, Pollock, the senior, you'd like to think he'd be a little more consistent. He's only had four attempts. Now we have to be mindful of that. It's, he's come in and miss. He's 2 of 4. You know, Haversick got a little bit more time than that to lose the job. But, no, it's, this was a game where the only thing I think Klumpf was good, the punting I thought was good for Arizona, or at least it wasn't bad.
0: There but, was a lot of
1: it. Yeah, there was a <laughs> lot of it. But, no, it's just like I think Pollock missing that field. It's like, yeah, of course he did you know, why wouldn't he miss that? field goal? And he ended up making one later in the game. But it's like, yeah, of course he missed that field goal because why wouldn't he? That's how this game has gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it, it was brutal. So um, but let's go ahead. We'll we'll end the Utah discussion on this because it's a good transition into now the the UCLA matchup. Right. And and, uh, it should be noted. uh, The good news is we will not be UCLA's first win of the year. So that's always good to kind of get that out of the way. Yeah. So congrats, Chip Kelly finally did it. And, uh, you know, obviously it's overdue, right? I mean, there is talent on that roster, but I guess I just don't really know what's going on over there, but, uh, they were finally able to get on the board, manhandled, uh, handled Cal up in Berkeley 37, uh, se- excuse me, 37 seven was the final up there. You know, obviously the line opened uh, in favor of UCLA five and a half point favorites, in LA, but, uh, you know, there, there's been some movement on that line. Adam, the line has now grown to seven and a half point favorites. Arizona will, I mean, at this point, enter the game as seven and a half point underdogs. That line, in my opinion, is only going to grow because as soon as they find out that Khalil Tate's not playing. And frankly, I, I don't see how he's going to play. I mean, literally he couldn't even stand on, on that ankle. So, uh, we're now in a situation where. You know, we're going to see some uh, we're going to see some rotation. Maybe we're going to see some more uh, Jamari Joyner and uh, Rhett Rodriguez. Uh, Obviously, of the two, Rhett Rodriguez uh, seemed to have a much better game. Right. Just because he was able to air it out. Jamari Joyner, true freshman. You know, it's tough to gauge that big situation on the road uh, against a very good Utah team, uh, Utah defense. That is, I I guess, how much stock should we put into Jamari Joyner's well, I guess, what, now maybe like four series or so?
1: I, I think you have to put something in it because he hasn't done much of anything good. I mean, he fumbled the ball against Utah just running with it once. Mm-hmm. It bounced right back to him, fortunately. But he's a true freshman. And, you know, you, I think it was kind of like the idea you put him in as a change of pace because he has that running ability. But you have to be able to throw the football, especially in this offense. And I think that's why Rhett Rodriguez. I mean, give him credit. I thought he played well, given the circ- really well, given the circumstances he was put into But you have to be able to throw the ball and he doesn't have the biggest arm. He doesn't have, you know, the legs. He doesn't have everything you'd want to be a division one quarterback, but he is smart. He has a good idea of where to put the football. And he's a good game manager. And I think in a game like this, you're right about the line. It's gonna get to be much, much bigger once they find out that Khalil Tate's not going to play. But I think you can put a lot into Jamari Joyner's few showing so far that he just isn't ready. You know, yeah, he's got the running ability, but even Khalil Tate is freshman year looked better when he was running with the football
0: yeah you know way more comfortable yeah joiner
1: just doesn't look ready to be a quarterback at this level which is fine (laughs) you know that's not an an indictment of him he's it's a fairly raw project to begin with and now you know half a season in his half a season into his freshman year to say he's not ready to be the guy i don't think that's i don't think that's an insult to him i don't think that's degrading to him as a football player Whereas Rhett Rodriguez has more time in the system, and he, of course, grew up the son of a football coach, so he's going to be a little more calm in the pocket, a little bit calm as far as a field general out there, so if I had to pick one of the two to go into this game against UCLA, I'm going to go with Rhett Rodriguez just because I think he's not going to lose you the game, and you'd hope that your running game and your defense could kind of rebound and play well against UCLA and maybe steal that way, but... Now, without Khalil Tate, that line should continue to grow because even Khalil Tate at 75% is better than, I think, every other quarterback in Arizona's roster right now.
0: You know, I, I, I even somewhat question, like, even, yeah, call him 75% healthy. I mean, honestly, even, even if he were, like, closer to 90% healthy, I still kind of question exactly if we should be favored or not in this game because it is a road game. Uh, UCLA has improved, right? Their last two games when they played uh, Washington at home – 31-24 you know Washington escaped with a win there mm-hmm. obviously they took care of Cal last week uh, you know they're, they're they're on the upward swing and there is plenty of talent on that roster up so up until the Utah game we
1: thought Arizona was kind of playing better too right <laughs> it's yeah. funny how things can turn so quickly you know that's mm-hmm. football especially when you're inconsistent young if not bad teams like you're gonna have that game against Cal where UCLA just goes off and they look great you know, and then two weeks before the they lost to Washington, they lost to Colorado. They also lost to Fresno earlier in the season. <laughs> like, yeah, this that, isn't a team yeah. that they should be better than they have been, but outside of one game, and I guess you could say, yeah, I mean, they competed against Washington. That was a close game, but there are times this season where Arizona's looked like they were on the upswing and having th- figured things out, but you say being at home,
0: I think that makes a difference. Arizona does not have a lot, a great history at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And I don't even think, I can't even remember the last time that Arizona has beaten UCLA two years in a row. Obviously they won last year and that was a part of Cleo Tate's awesome run in October. But, uh, you know, that, that, that UCLA team struggled quite a bit last year on defense and not to say that this year's isn't, uh, it just kind of feels like, you know, they're, 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 they're a bit better, I think than they were, uh, last year now, offensively speaking. So let's just go ahead and start here. Then, uh, some key players to watch for the UCLA matchup. Uh, true freshman Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, there was a lot of speculation coming into the season, right? Who's going to start? Uh, who's going to be the play caller for for the UCLA Bruins? Uh, you know, they had the grad transfer Spate come in. Uh, Devin Modster, obviously Wildcat fans are familiar with that name, mm-hmm. the former U of A commit that flipped to UCLA. Uh, and he has since declared that he is transferring, so he's actually no longer even on the roster after he was overlooked for Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, was plugged into the year uh, as the second string and was plugged into the lineup. Because of a Spate injury, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, Wilton Spate was the was the quarterback coming out of camp to start the season, but uh, but you know what? It seems like he's been healthy, Spate that is, uh, over the last few games. And Chip Kelly just sees something he likes there. Uh, clearly, I mean, the, the, the guy's very mobile. The guy. Uh, you know the, the arm. He, he's. It kind of gets back to the same thing with Jamori, uh, with, with Jamari Joyner, right? Uh, true freshman, right? It, it's it's really hard to be critical of them because they're last year they were playing high school football, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's just not really fair to criticize them. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, DTR, as they like to call him, down to run, right? This guy's going to take <laughs> off. Uh, and, you know, we, we could have our hands full because uh, his teammate in the backfield, Joshua Kelly, you know, running back, very similar situation. You know, they had their they had their two senior running backs. UCLA had their two senior running backs coming into the season, uh, both of which just have not done very much as all, at all. Uh, Soso Giombo, uh, he was actually declared out for the rest of the season with a concussion. That was just this past week. Yeah. It was declared. Uh, or excuse me, just after the Cal game, it was declared, you know, Joshua Kelly ha- has really been turning it on lately. The last three games, uh, he is averaging above a hundred yards a game, found the end zone four times. I, 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 just picture a situation here where I'm not too scared of their, of their passing game because, uh, Thompson Robinson is in a situation where again, he is still a true freshman. You know, I have watched a little bit of Uh, of ucla here and there and it's tough to really gauge what sort of competence you know he has right now as a passer but it does feel like there there could definitely be some zone reads some zone options going on here and that could be a nightmare for our defense
1: well their their offense is
0: basically arizona's
1: (laughs) i think they don't want to throw the ball i mean they you know they beat cal thompson Rounds. He threw 15 passes completed 13 of them but 13 to 15 for 141 yards that that was his game you know, through the air. The week before, he threw for 272 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Then the week before, we had 17 to 35 passes, 10 of 24 passes, 16 to 26, 15 to 25. So he's not exactly a, an accurate quarterback. And if you can make them throw the ball, kind of similar to Cal the week before for Arizona, if you can make them throw the ball, make these running quarterbacks who aren't exactly the most accurate and are maybe a little turnover prone, put the ball in the air, then you have a chance to beat them. But no doubt, like this game certainly comes down to stopping the running. You know whether it's from the quarterback or from Joshua Kelly or just however you does it does, and that's that's really how Chip Kelly teams are too. When they're right, they're running offenses. You know they can throw when you have a Marcus Mariota, especially. But until he has his players in there and that type of talent, they're going to be somewhat one dimensional in how they can beat you. And I don't think that's all that dissimilar from Arizona. The keys to winning for UCLA, but if you're Arizona's defense, absolutely you can go into this game keying on the running game and say, hey, if they're going to beat you with the arm, that's fine. You'll accept that, but don't let them beat you on the ground. And it's easier said than done often. I mean, I like to think Cal had the same idea, and they got slaughtered. But if you're Arizona (laughs) going to this game, that has to be the way you're thinking.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I'm sitting here saying the exact same thing that I said against Utah last week, right? It's like Zach, Zach Moss is the one to be feared. <laughs> I'm not scared of the receivers, and the receivers just lit us up. Uh, I, 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 I think I mean, they, probably, I mean,
1: Huntley's capable of being a decent quarterback. Dorian Thompson-Robinson so far, eh. I mean, he's yeah. a freshman. He's not exactly proven—like, Huntley's proven to be capable at times. Thompson-Robinson hasn't done that yet. You know, he might— mm-hmm. Just because he hasn't doesn't mean he won't. But I think even more so than Utah. And also, I mean, is not as good as Utah defensively. So there's going to be a little bit more pressure on Dor- Dorian thompson robinson If you can stop the running game, then they're probably going to struggle. It's, I mean, I, this doesn't shape up to be a pretty game either way for either team because I think they're each so one-dimensional going into it. But, no, I think defensively in Arizona, you'd like to think that some of the guys are going to be pretty upset with what happened against Utah. You know, they have been playing well, and they just – in a lot of ways, they just didn't make plays. They were in position and they didn't make plays. So I think guys like Schooler and P.J. Johnson and Wallace and J.B. Brown and Jalen Harris, those guys, you know, Tony Fields, all these players who had a rough game, you know, the cornerbacks. I mean, Burns was pretty good. Huff was not. You know, so you'd like to think these guys will come out and say, okay, this is a chance to kind of right the ship a little bit because, you know, this isn't one of those games like maybe against USC where you could say if only the offense had done well, the defense did their job. No, the defense didn't do their job against Utah, so now they get to go back and have a chance to do it again against a much less talented team in UCLA who is probably going to be more one-dimensional than anything else.
0: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, Tyler huntley i I think he did a good job comparing that there. He's obviously competent at time he's displayed that he's older right, so mm-hmm. just by experience alone, you know I think just by default uh, you have to fear him a little bit more. The receiving core though is, is is somewhat similar in the sense of there just hasn't been much volume there, and all of that has to do just simply from the offensive scheme, right? I mean, this, this is a run heavy offense, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I guess jumping into, to a couple names to keep an eye on in, in the receiving core, uh, tight end Caleb Wilson right now he's listed as a tight end. Uh, you will see him down set as a tight end, but oftentimes he is split out, right? He's, he's more of in the slot. He is, I feel like used more as a receiver, but he is listed as a tight end. Uh, Theo Howard is another one. These two actually lead the team in receptions and, uh, well, really receptions yards and and touchdowns right uh they they combined for 48 uh 48 receptions a little over 600 yards and three scores total right so that kind of explains right there only five passing touchdowns on the year uh thompson robinson uh his touchdown to interception ratio ratio five to three 60% 60% completion, but their, their, bread and butter is, is that running game. So yeah. again, if, if we can touch base there, that would make me feel a lot better, right? If we, if we can, we can take care of business right there. You know, last year UCLA was, was much more stacked on the offensive line too. They've experienced quite a bit of turnover, the offensive line. Uh, they have two guys, Senator uh, center, Scott Cuisinberry and uh, tackle Colton Miller were both drafted this past year, you know, so I mean, those those aren't easy shoes to fill. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if our defense can kind of get back on track back to what we saw against Cal. Uh, I guess, I guess Cal really just isn't as good as what we thought, right? I mean, last year, they had the last year, they had a pretty pretty special season i would say you know especially just given uh, relative to previous years you know what we had seen over those last few years uh but you know they still have those playmakers uh, they still have those skill position players and they were basically neutralized i mean patrick laird ran for 94 yards uh, and a score but uh, i mean it just really wasn't that impressive overall against ucla no no so it's it's tough when you
1: look at a matchup like this because neither one of these teams are particularly good right now and I think if Quilte was healthy, one, Arizona's better than they have been, and two, they would be an absolute favorite over UCLA in this game. Mm-hmm. But he's not. Yeah. And, you know, if it's we find out that he doesn't, that he's not going to play, then that changes things. And if we find out that he is going to play, that changes things. Because you have to think if he's going to play, then his ankle somehow magically is feeling a lot better than it has been. But, you know, I do think, just talent-wise, I think Arizona might be a little bit better. But... You know, I was kind of thinking, go, I was kind of thinking about before we were doing this show, just if we touched on it, and I kind of say I think talent-wise Arizona's a little bit better, but so much of what we thought the optimism going into this season for Arizona was based on Khalil Tate's greatness. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, did we overrate this talent on this roster coming in from last season because they won a lot of games because of Khalil Tate just being magical? Is that why? Did we, did we overrate that this defense wasn't as good as we thought? The running backs weren't as good as we thought. The receivers weren't as good as we thought. I don't know. How much we overrated that group and how much Kulatay was just lifting everyone up last season but certainly without him especially without him playing at that level a lot of this roster has been exposed for if not being as good as we thought not being as ready as we hoped they would be so you know I, I think the defense will be better than it was against Utah but it's you can't promise that and they're facing an offense that Chip Kelly, for as bad as they've been, Chip Kelly knows what he's doing. So it's not going to be this season, but soon he's going to have UCLA, I think, humming at a pretty high level. So I'm really interested to see how the Wildcats bounce back. And of course, I'm going to this game. I'll be in LA. For how this are morning. you? And, nice. You know, before the season starts, I'm like, that's going to be a really awesome game between you know Arizona, who's going to be fighting for the Pac-12 South, and UCU with Chip Kelly. You get to go to the Rose Bowl. I've never been there, so it's going to be great. And then a few weeks ago, it's like, oh well. Arizona's not as good as I thought they were, but at least they'll win because UCLA is just awful. And now I'm just like, oh boy, what am I going to see? Like the Rhett Rodriguez show against UCLA and you know everything that I dreamed of when I bought those tickets. But yeah. no, it's going to be, it's certainly, it's not a good matchup, but I do think it's an interesting one right now because there's so many things that we just don't know about each of these teams. You know, They each have their strengths. There's a way that they win. There's a way UCLA wins. There's ways that Arizona wins. But it's hard to imagine either one of them being likely to get there but somebody has to win that's the beauty of it
0: yeah so somebody definitely has to win there can be no ties uh, I guess then just rounding off with the rest of the offensive uh, the offensive preview for the UCLA game you know uh, not Kyle Phillips excuse me I'm looking at the wrong name here Joshua Kelly uh, the running back 11 reception 76 yards as well so we know that he can also uh, be very effective as a pass catching back flipping to the, to the defensive side of the ball here. Um, you know, this is probably where they are most talented and, you know, it, it, it should also be noted that, uh, uh, Jamambo, you know, was, was also right. So we said that he was out for the rest of the year due to concussion. Jalen Phillips, one of their five-star and very, uh, high, highly touted recruits coming into last year, uh, the 2017 class, linebacker will also miss the season due to a concussion the remainder of the season that is due to a concussion uh the two of them you know two of them being Darnay Darnay Holmes and Jalen Phillips they came in they were actually the first pair of true freshmen to ever start the season opener for UCLA Darnay Holmes obviously is uh, somebody that we're probably all uh, a bit more familiar with than than uh than than Jalen Phillips but but uh you know Phillips aside, his injury, his absence from this game, they are still pretty stacked at linebacker. Uh, you know, they they have the uh, the the Looser South South, and who's the other guy? Chris Barnes, right? So, I mean, these two these two linebackers, uh, tenured, both juniors, been been you know at UCLA, they've seen a high level of play uh, against uh, or against uh, against other Pac twelve teams, right? So, and of course, they played against. Khalil Tate last year, or I guess you'd say Arizona last year. So they're somewhat familiar against, you know, our running game. Obviously, JJ Taylor is going to be back in this game. Uh, we'll also have, you know, some other of our receivers and stuff. They'll be familiar. It's a similar scheme, but it's obviously much more complex than, than the rich rod offense was last year. Yeah, uh, But, you know, overall, I think, you know, with, with the Jalen Phillips injury, you know that that kind of eats into the to, to maybe that lack of depth because the biggest knock on this team last year was defense. You know they they have key pieces: Darnay Holmes, Ad- uh, Adarius Pickett, uh, Nate Meters. I mean they have a few guys that that were key players last year. Uh, and when I say key players, not necessarily key to success because they were statistically one of the worst teams in the Power Five. Uh, but 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 again. That was experience that they were able to gain last year, and we'll see how that translates. I mean, obviously, after the first few few games of this year, it hasn't been too pretty. Nope. It kind of begs the question: how much of that is just the offense running into some three and out situation not being able to move the ball, and it's really more of just uh, fatigue uh, versus they're just not that good. So I, I think there, there'll be, be a lot of questions. Tucson, uh, actually. Uh, Exact same thing. I mean, honestly, the more you dive into this, it is going to be, I, th- I think, a pretty solid matchup on both sides. You know, and, and it all just circles back. If, if, we can, if, we can, if we can force Thompson Robinson to beat us with his arm, I you know, I, I I think that you should be able to find a situation here where Rhett Rod and, and this is pure speculation, right? I I don't know who would be the starter based off of what we've seen from Jamar Joyner and Rhett Rod, of course, in, in most of the Utah game last week, it has to be Rhett Rod. Uh, If Rhett Rod is able to, you know, bring some people out of the box, bring some keeping the defense a little bit honest against the passing game, then hopefully the offensive line will be able to spark something with J.J. Taylor Um, remains to be seen. Gary Brightwell, obviously the bigger back. If we can find something on the ground, it works both ways. Right. (laughs) Maybe bring somebody in the box and then Rhett Rod can take something off the top. Um, That's very high level, very easy, very obvious but you still got to go out there and execute it. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah,
1: no, when it was funny, like you, you're talking about the team, you're breaking on UCLA and I'm thinking, oh, that's Arizona. I just picture that Spider-Man meme where just the two of them are pointing at each other. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, their records are obviously different. Arizona still has an outside chance at becoming bowl eligible. And it's tough to picture that happening without Kulotay. And that's, again, the kind of the, the wild card in this one right now. Who's Arizona's quarterback going to be? Because I don't think UCLA's offense is good enough to really – to really on its own without the help of turnovers and whatever, I don't think it's good enough to just destroy Arizona's defense. But at the same time, is Arizona's offense going to be capable of doing anything against UCLA's defense? I mean, this this seems like it wants to be like a 17-10 to 10 game, you know, just ugly football. A turnover is the difference or something. Maybe it's 6-3 to three and Pollock gets the game-winning field goal or, you know, something dumb like I'll that. That would be great these are just two teams that right now as they are currently constructed are terribly terribly flawed and there are some good players on them especially on the defensive side of the ball but that's not enough because as we're seeing in Tucson and they're seeing at UCLA even if your defense is decent if your offense is just garbage it's going to catch up to them and you're not going to win these games so you know I I'm still excited for this game because hey it's one that Arizona needs to win if they do they're back to 500 and you're feeling like, oh, maybe the bowl eligibility could be still, you know, still be a thing. And this is a game you have to win. Obviously, you lose this game, you're not going bowling this season. Mm-hmm. But if you can win this game on the road against a not good UCLA team, then your hopes for at least a 13th game still exist. And how it happens is almost irrelevant. I mean, if Tate can come out and play and look good, that would be a big thing. But short of that, just find a way to win this game against a bad team because – you at least need to show that you're less bad because, you know, the loser of this game is headed for the bottom of the Pac-12 South. And I don't think that's anything yes. that any of us expected from Arizona going into this season. And as disappointing as it's been so far, you know, it could actually get worse. So <laughs> hopefully it, could it easily doesn't get worse, but it could yeah. definitely get worse for Arizona. And, you know, this is kind of the ebbs and flows of this season. They lose a couple of games. Everyone's down on them. They win a couple of games. Everyone's high on them. They lose, they win. And it's like, you go back and forth, back and forth. And, You know, just as maybe we didn't give them a lot of credit for beating up on bad teams before, like Oregon State and Southern Utah and maybe even Cal, you know, maybe we shouldn't totally kill them for having lost to teams like Utah on the road and USC, who obviously is pretty good. They just beat up on uh, Colorado. So, you know, the Arizona's losses aren't particularly terrible, but their wins aren't very good either. So here they're playing a bad team. So if things hold to form, they'll find a way to win because Arizona, I don't think, is bad. But they certainly haven't shown to be good yet either
0: yeah it's it's 100% if, if, if we don't win this game I mean there's you can kiss it all goodbye now I guess the, the only the only outlandish chance to uh, you know a, a winning record or even a 500 record would be Tate sits this one out. Comes back against Colorado. So then he would have had two full weeks off of the off the ankle, you know, treatment, whatever. Just getting back to, I mean, even eighty percent. I mean, th- this is no knock. This is no knock to Joiner and Red Rod. I mean, this is just one hundred percent. If if Khalil Tate can get to eighty percent, you know, if he, if he can get to what we saw against Cal uh, that, that, that's our best option. And honestly, that, that's not an awful option either. I mean, that is, it's, it's, it's invigorating, right? Like we can, it's a spark to the team overall because it, it just has to be so demoralizing just these three and outs and not being able to move the ball. The defense is just gas out there the whole time. Uh, so I mean this, yeah, ho- hopefully as much as I know that Khalil Tate uh is probably our best option i mean I, i'll even say i mean even at like 65 70 percent he very well could be our best option it's just it's a short-term thing and adam i think i saw you say this on social media i mean it, it's kind of a it, it's, it's it's a short-term reward for i mean you know like just just overall like long-term problems like it's just a long-term risk and uh, it's not worth it the really
1: trick is, i mean in a perfect world you could sit him this game he heals up for this colorado game and you win anyway You know, but that's the thing. Like, Arizona hasn't been good enough to sit Khalil Tate. And that's, I think, I think they would have loved to have sat him. And maybe his ankle wasn't as bad as it was against Utah. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't as bad as it was against Utah. Even against Oregon State, when the dude twisted his ankle, it wasn't as bad as it was. We saw that. I mean, the guy couldn't walk. Early, on. Maybe he wanted to get back in the game, the adrenaline, or maybe it kind of calmed down. But by then it's like, you're down four touchdowns, what's the point? Yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, so it's possible that. it wasn't as bad as we're thinking, even though I know someone said in his press conference on Monday that he's not sure about who's, who's quarterback's going to be. There might be some gamesmanship there, just a little bit. But no, I, in a perfect world, you can sit quiltate, cool, Tate, he can rest up. You know, get healthy, get to eighty-five, ninety percent. Although with an ankle, of course, you're always one sprain away or one roll away from going from ninety percent back down to fifty percent. But and then you find a way to win anyway. Like that'd be great. That'd be ideal. And man, they could use a bye week you know, yeah. at any point over the last few weeks. And they're not going to have one still for another few games. So it's like the one year you could use that bye week for Klute to rest up I and mean, he hurts himself in week two with an injury that could use that week off, and he hasn't had it so. Yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll, we might find out by Tuesday. I know we're recording on Monday. We might find out by Tuesday who the quarterback's going to be, Tuesday or Wednesday. But, you know, hopefully the game being on a Friday with that extra day now to rest too, maybe that helps a little bit. But, you know, I'm not if, – if Khalil Tate plays in this game and is what he was against Cal, at least health-wise, I think Arizona wins. But if he doesn't play, to me it's at best a to toss-up. And you know, I'm not saying that they should force him onto the field. If he's not healthy, he's not healthy and he shouldn't play. But if he could play to the level or if he's healthy to the level he was in every game after the Houston game, you know, against Southern Utah, against Oregon State, against USC, against those guys, then I think he should be on the field because he's still your best chance to win. But you know, if he can't walk, if he can't protect himself, if he can't do anything in the backfield but kind of drop back and hand the ball off or just throw the ball down the field, then go with Rhett Rodriguez, go with Joyner, get Doyle ready. You know, Just do whatever you have to to try to win that game without Quiltain and hope that with that week off, his ankle is ready to go for the next game after.
0: So kickoff is scheduled for Saturday, October 20th, 7.30 p.m. local time. So that is still uh, Pacific time, L.A. time, Arizona time, and it will be televised on ESPN2. You know, one thing that's neat about the season so far, we've only had one game on the Pac-12 network, or, or maybe two actually. That's right? good. Everyone got to watch Southern this. Utah. Everyone yeah, gets to watch Arizona
1: so, this year. Yeah, that's that's great, Ronnie. That's yeah. that, that's <laughs> what we need is for Arizona. To see, everybody to see this Arizona team.
0: Hey, I'll I'll take uh, any pub is good pub in this case, huh? Or, or or maybe not. I guess maybe if you're just getting slaughtered, it's not that great. But uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens, so kickoff for Saturday. Uh, Adam, what, one thing circling back to basketball that we um, that we did not touch on, I know this is still kind of a developing story. Uh, here we are recording this on Monday, uh, October 15th. Um, Omar Thielemans, right? Yeah. So Omar Thielemans sat out for personal reasons in the red and blue game. Um, it's unclear exactly what's going on, but we're getting the vibe that it's going to be a transfer. So Yeah, by all accounts, he is not. Cl- I, that's
1: disappointing, <laughs> <laughs> I guess from what I've read, and you've probably read the same thing, heard the same thing, too, that he's just not ready to play and do anything for them this season. And then with the way Arizona's recruiting is going, by the time Mm -hmm. he might be ready next year or the year after that, there's going to be no room for him on this roster. So he certainly looked the part, but apparently the transition from overseas playing basketball college level here just hasn't gone as well as people hoped
0: it would. Yeah, uh, I you know I I wish him well, and he's definitely a far way away from home, right? So that uh, that's I'm sure plays into it too as an 18 year old kid. Mm-hmm. But uh, we wish him well. Uh, we definitely wish him well, and I certainly understand the decision because it is definitely a business decision too at that. So yep so well anyway so until next week hopefully adam this time next week we'll be talking about a four and four record uh nonetheless hey enjoy your time in la and you know i hope uh barney's beanery what's on the agenda this weekend
1: uh it's a little trip me and the girlfriend are going out there for my birthday actually it was her idea to go that she's never been to the rose bowl i've obviously never been to the rose bowl she's like hey your team is playing out there so why don't we do that so a little drive through san diego on the way up to la and into la friday night and you know, there all day Saturday. No real plans on the agenda. Might hit up a brewery or two or seven. You know, and
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll I see. We'll, know,
1: yeah. we'll, we'll go from there. We'll just see how everybody's feeling.
0: Well, that was very nonchalant, sneaking in the birthday there. Well, happy birthday, Adam. I <laughs> oh, really hope you. that the, uh, I really hope the Wildcats can give you the best birthday gift a man could ask for. That would be lovely. Yes, I would accept that with open arms. <laughs> awesome. All right, buddy. Well, safe travels, and uh, to all the listeners. Until next week, bear down.